Hey guys, it's Allie. Welcome back to Infertile AF, the podcast. This is episode 224 called Darlene. Hey guys, so guess what? It is Fertility Rally's third birthday as of June 1st. We launched June 1st, 2020 in the midst of the pandemic. And here we are three years later. I can't even believe it. We've grown tremendously. We have more than 500 members currently actively. We have probably had over 1,500 members over the last three years. People have come and gone, obviously, depending on what's going on with their family building journeys. We are so honored that so many people have trusted us and join our family. And we are celebrating by giving away three annual memberships. So check that out. Go to the Fertility Rally Instagram right now and see what we've got going on and how you can enter. We also are doing a $30 off code with the code Rally B Day. You'll get $30 off our annual membership. So we just wanted to give back to you guys and thank you again and celebrate with you. So to all of our Fertility Rally family members, past and present and future, we love you. You are not alone. This is the worst club with the best members, the place I wish I had when I was going through it, but we're so happy to be here now. So if you guys have any questions about Fertility Rally, feel free to reach out to me on Instagram at Stories. You can email us at thefertilityrally at gmail, or you can check us out on the Rally Instagram at Fertility Rally. So lots of places to contact us. We're here for you no matter what. If you want to know more about the membership, we're happy to answer any questions, but we just wanted to give something a little bit back to you guys in honor of our third birthday. So thanks. Hope to see you guys soon. This podcast is sponsored by Receptiva DX. Receptiva DX is a powerful test that has helped thousands of women who have experienced recurrent pregnancy loss or IVF failure. The test helps detect inflammatory conditions of the uterus that might be preventing you from becoming pregnant or staying pregnant. The most common underlying condition of a positive Receptiva DX test is endometriosis with or without symptoms. If you or someone you know has struggled with IVF, Receptiva DX may give you the answer and treatment protocols that you're looking for. Talk with your doctor about Receptiva DX because the journey is so worth it. Plus, guys, Infertile AF listeners are getting $75 off the Receptiva DX test. So all you have to do is go to ReceptivaDX.com or download the app Receptiva DX. Use code InfertileAF23 and you'll get $75 off. Thanks, Receptiva DX. All right, guys. So today I am telling the story of a woman who emailed me and wanted to share her story. Her name is Darlene. She's so sweet. She sent the nicest email about how the podcast has been helping her, which I really appreciate. But her story is that she and her husband started trying in 2022 to have a baby and they are not there yet. So she's going to tell us all about what she's been through including her diagnosis of unexplained infertility, which I know we all love that, right? Four failed IUIs and then going through IVF and what happened beyond that. So thank you so much, Darlene, for reaching out. Thank you for sharing your story. And without further ado, this is Darlene's infertility story. Darlene. Hi. How are Thanks you? Thanks so much for having 
Oh my gosh. You wrote me, you wrote me the nicest email. I just want to read the first line, not to like float my own boat, but just because it was so, it meant so much to me. So you're, you're like, hi, Allie, we've never met, but you're one of my most favorite people on the planet. I've listened to every single episode of Infertile AF, every single one. So, and then you went on to talk about, you know, what, what's going on with you and how, what you're doing. So we'll get into all that. But first of all, Thank you. That really made me feel great because as you know, this is a passion project. This is a labor of love. You know, I really wanted to connect with people. So when I hear from people that I actually do connect with, it really means a lot. Yeah. You're changing the world with these stories. So I really, really appreciate it. I'm so honored to be here. Um, And yeah, I just, every week I would look forward to the new episode and I would make sure to tune in when it was a good time. And um, yeah, I've been, I'm now repeating some um, episodes. Oh my God. Really? Okay. We'll we'll talk about that later. I want to know which ones, but you can tell me offline. Sure. Okay. So let's just start at the beginning. You know what I'm going to ask you, right? Did you always want to be a parent? (laughs) You should actually run this because you know it better than me. Yes. I have always wanted to uh, be a parent and it always really came kind of naturally to me. I always loved babysitting and I had a younger brother that I loved uh, kind of looking after and I'm a kindergarten teacher, spent all day with kids and uh, yeah, it was always kind of in my future, but I wouldn't say it was a top priority through my twenties. I was building my career and traveling and I, uh, you know, was living on different continents and going to university and I just, it was kind of, it could wait, but I was, I was, I knew that was going to be my future. Mm-hmm. Okay. So fast forwarding a whole bunch. Yeah. Tell me about yes. when you met your so, my husband. husband yeah. yeah. Um, my husband's name is Devin and we met in April, 2018. I was 30 years old. I met him on Bumble. He was a very lucky swipe. And so we <laughs> had a date on um, Friday night and then we lined up a date Saturday night. And then on Sunday I was like, well, you should probably just meet my mom. And, oh my God. Uh, the rest, <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, and the rest was honestly history. It was like, it just moved along um, so naturally and effortlessly. And I'm so lucky to have met him and I couldn't imagine you know, I, we had no idea what we were about to embark on together, but, um, yeah, it's just been such a solid partner through it all. And, uh, yeah, so we, we talked really early on in our relationship about, about kids. I don't remember the exact conversation, but it was just like, yeah, we, we were both on the same page. Um, but we really enjoyed the first couple of years of dating together and building our lives together moving in. Um, we weren't too, uh, fussed about getting married right away. So we just, you know, we were just kind of, yeah, enjoying our time together. And then um, when I was 32, so two years after we met, uh, I decided to have my IUD removed. And so I had had my IUD for seven years and I had stopped having a cycle, like a, a period. So I, which was at the time I was like, this is sweet. Uh, but why we decided, okay, let's like, let's kind of get things back on track a little bit. Um, so we, I had that removed and that was fine. Um, and I remember so vividly the, uh, the doctor removing it, she was like, okay, you're fertile. And I just like always think of that about that sentence because I was wow. just like, want to go back. I know I always want to go back and be like, I'm not. Right. Um, but I know I, I remember know, somebody else telling me that they got theirs taken out and they're like, you might get pregnant tonight. <laughs> like, right. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And that's kind of how I thought it would be. I had like, I, this is so embarrassing, but um, I ordered a spoon on Amazon that said, you're going to be a daddy. And we'll get to that later, but, I was like, I knew it was going to happen. Like, you know, I was really confident. I hosted a friend's baby shower, um, at the beginning of July at that. So it was just a few months later. 
And um, we also had decided to get married that summer. We were just doing a small, it was COVID, it was 2020. Um, so we were just doing um, parents and siblings. And that was, mm-hmm. so we just had kind of a whirlwind um, engagement. And so we weren't, we weren't trying at that point, but we weren't preventing either. We were, I was right. just letting, I was just kind of monitoring my cycles and we were just going to kind of wait and see what happened. But I remember on my wedding weekend, I was ovulating and I was like, okay, here we go. Like what could go wrong? Right. It was, um, yeah, I just didn't, uh, didn't think there was nothing that, um, gave me any pause. Like my cycle had come back and, right. uh, yeah, so nothing, and then nothing happened. And, uh, so actually September that, so just, you know, a month after we'd started trying, I, um, like my notorious early tester. So I'm tracking my cycles mm-hmm. and I, okay. So a friend of mine had given me some clear blue tests and, some of them you need like the plus sign and some of them you just need a line in the test window. And I had them all out of a box. So I had just taken one and I had like, I didn't know that they were, they were different. So I thought I had a positive pregnancy test alley. So I put this spoon in my husband's coffee and I'm like, you know, like thinking we did it. That was easy. Like no problem. And we like cry and we're so happy and I'm just like, you know, like elated. And then um, a couple hours later, I was like packing everything up. And I was like, oh, that's weird. Like the, like these, the wrappers kind of look different from some other, other tests I had. And I just like something all of a sudden felt off. And I had to like pull out the other one in the instructions and look. And I was like, oh my God, it's, oh. I'm not pregnant at all. I was so embarrassed, Ali. I had sent pictures to a couple of my girlfriends. Like, oh, and honey. I know how can I'm you so please? sorry. Yes. <laughs> was, but the funny the thing mind is, fuck. I, like, I know. And the reason I tell you this story is because we were laughing. We're like, oh my God, could you imagine like, you know, this will be so much funnier when we actually are pregnant. And like, we had no, it was just the, the most bizarre sort of like foreshadowing of the mm. nightmare that would <laughs> come next. Yes. Um, oh my God. Cause you get your yeah. hopes up. Obviously it's like totally. the thing you won't yeah. you want the thing you want so badly. And then exactly. Yes. And all around me, all of a sudden my, you know, I had lots of friends become pregnant, um, pretty close together. And so I was just every month I'm like calculating how far apart our babies are getting, you know, like, I'm just like, okay, it's gonna, and I'm doing at this point, Ali, like I'm going on the, off the deep end here, like with between Google and Reddit and like, I'm trying, I'm like tracking, I'm taking my temperature, acupuncture, yeah. yoga. I've got three different apps on the go. Like I'm so goal oriented. So it just, I, I thought I could outthink it. Like I, you know, right. it's one of those things. It was like, okay, I just have to put the work in. That's all I have to do. It's Absolutely. Not, um, but as you know, you know this is exactly. one of those things where it doesn't matter. The hard work no. and the effort does not yeah. equate to the outcome. Exactly. And it's been so humbling because nothing else in my life, you know, everything else is, you know, like I've run marathons or I've, you know, it's been like, I'm so goal oriented. And so, uh, it's been, that was just such a humbling, um, experience to not be able to, you know, outthink it. Right. Um, So didn't you say, is it true that three of your friends? Oh, yes. (laughs) Tell me about that. (laughs) Yeah. So, well, okay. Yeah. So that, um, so basically a year, um, after we, uh, we got referred to all of to um, a, a, a fertility clinic in downtown Vancouver. And around the time that we were doing all of our testing, we were diagnosed with um, unexplained infertility. And I had three, uh, and like, I have to say my my friends and family have been nothing but supportive and loving and caring and sensitive and um, have really supported us through this. But at the time we were kind of still early-ish on in the journey. And three of my closest friends went on a maternity. They all had their beautiful baby bumps and they went on a photo shoot together. And it was just like, 
and I don't fault them for, you know, for that at all. It was like just this sense of like not being um, a part of this club that I so desperately wanted to be a part of. And it was, it just, it's like like the ultimate, the ultimate FOMO. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And I just wanted to like, like join them and like just carry a box of ovulation strips or like, you know what I mean? Like it just, I, I like, you know, it was like such a, a bizarre feeling and not the one that, you know, it was a new feeling and not, not a comfortable one but um I was you know we stayed I'm still friends with all of my friends and they're they're all really um they've all been so supportive through this and I think right. that if this had ha- you know that wouldn't have um happened maybe like later on and the, we none of us knew what was to come kind of thing you know right. so and then but then meanwhile also like my sister um like in the in through this whole time my sister's had two babies my sister-in-law's had two babies both my sister-in-law's have had two babies so it's been there's been a lot of babies in our in our lives and that's been a really challenging thing that I, and something that I've related to with so many of your um, other guests, it's just mm-hmm. that, um, you know, watching um, friends and family build their families. And obviously, you know, I know that, um, that being, you know, stuck in comparison mode, is just such a toxic mindset. And I'm, I'm really trying to work with that. Um, and I can't, yeah. Uh, yeah, I just can't compare myself to others. I think there's something so heartbreaking about when you feel like everybody's moving forward and leaving you behind, you know, getting pregnant yes. and going on to those things and you know those great experiences so tell me a little bit more about that well yeah that's exactly it and you you know you've got this um this kind of timeline and you know you think of like those that you know your kids and and their cousins and being them them being close in age and with your friends and you just it's you know it's so hard when you've got such tunnel vision um and at the time like I would say during that that phase that early on time um and then we went and started down our doing the IUIs um and that that was like I'd say almost the hardest part because you've I was just filled with so much hope and optimism and it's just that cyclical letdown um you know every cycle I would uh you know it was just like this this high and low, like that's such a roller coaster of emotions. Um, and, yeah. uh, yeah, it's such a unique feeling, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So we started, um, down the IUI road, we did, mm-hmm. um, four of them, um, did, did them pretty much back to back, uh, July, August, October. We were only going to do three, but then we threw in a Hail Mary. Alia was like, <laughs> we're doing it. We're doing one more. We're adding in some injectable drugs this time. And like, this has got to work because, mm-hmm we knew the next step for us was we were going to try IVF, but then, right. uh, we were just really optimistic because I've had I um, friends and family that have gotten pregnant with IUI. And so again, it was like, because there was nothing standing really uh, standing in our way. It didn't, uh, you know, we had no other health conditions and the, you know, um, my lining for that through the IUIs was not great, but it wasn't bad. Like, but it, that's now come to light as, as one of the issues that we're working with. Um, but yeah, so each one, it was just stark negative, nothing was happening. Um, yeah. And then that we knew with the last one, um, when my cycle was going to start, it was, um, going to start at Christmas and like it did, it started Christmas day and I was like, just, I was starting. So I had to start my priming drugs for my first IVF cycle on Christmas day. And I was just thinking like, wow, this is such, you know, salt in the wound. And now I've such, I have this now three years later, I'm like, I can't even celebrate Christmas. Like this last Christmas, we just went to Mexico because I'm like, I don't, I can't do this anymore. Oh my like, God. Yes. Just so, one of the so many things, one of the many things yeah. that infertility robs you of is, you exactly. know, these moments that are supposed to be so joyous and full of yeah. excitement. And, you know, when you've gone through trauma, it ruins it. Exactly. It just ruins all these things. 
there's such family oriented uh, holidays. So it's like, you know, when you can't build your own family, it's like, I just don't want to, you know, I don't want to participate, right? which is so negative, but um, yeah. Mm-hmm. And also that when I, um, when I, my period started on Christmas day, I at the time had a really close friend that, um, and we were still, you know, close friends, but she, uh, we were kind of in this boat together and sharing, you know, we knew many other cycles were and her period was expected, expected around the same time. And, then she got pregnant and then she went on to have beautiful, handsome, uh, identical twin boys. And it's like, you know, all these like parallel lives that are happening, you know, and since then I've, Ali have had so many friends come and go, like, you know, I've connected to lots of people in the community and it's just even um, with, within the community, like saying goodbye to close eyed friends has been really hard because we're still friends, but it's like, now we're just in different, you know, it's, uh, you know, they've, they've moved on to the the intricacies of newborn life and I'm just still hanging out here. So yeah, um, yeah, that's been um, really challenging. Tell me about this episode is brought to you by Vegamore. I'm always trying to do right by my body. So when it comes to my hair and scalp health, finding a product that actually works and is made with clean ingredients always seems like a trade-off. But with Vegamore, I get products that are made with clean ingredients and give me visibly healthy hair and scalp. With Vegamore, I am able to have noticeably thicker, fuller, shinier, longer hair, all without the harsh ingredients. Every cute pink bottle of Vegamore products are 100% cruelty-free and are never formulated with potentially harmful chemicals like parabens or hormones. Okay, so I got my box of Vegamore products and I've been using them all for the past month. The shampoo, the conditioner, the grow hair serum, the hair foam, the eyelash serum, the eyebrow serum. It's been about a month, like I said, and my hair really does feel stronger and thicker. Everything looks better. And the shampoo in particular, I have to say, smells really good. The key is consistency in your routine for your most beautiful, healthy looking hair. I use Vegamore Grow Hair Serum daily and my hair and scalp are feeling better than ever. Here's another cool thing. Vegamore has these great value kits like the Grow Essentials Kit, where you get to try more than one amazing product at a time at great savings. So when you sign up for a monthly subscription, you save more and you never run low on the products that you need. And fun fact, guys, Vegamore sells one bottle of the Grow Hair Serum every 15 seconds on their website. That's how good this stuff is. So here is the deal, my beautiful listeners. For a limited time, you can get 20% off your first order by going to vegamore.com slash infertileaf and using code infertileaf at checkout. That's V-E-G-A-M-O-U-R.com slash infertileaf, code infertileaf to save 20% on your first order. V-E-G-A-M-O-U-R.com slash infertileaf, code infertileaf. Thanks, Vegamore. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress. Instead of perfection, you don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues 
for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold starting IVF like how did it go for you yeah so great it was it was great it was not like I that part because it, it was doing it felt better to be doing right like anytime I was um an active participant in making this happen I felt great because it was like okay we got this and also I had this sense of like we're paying them like there's no funding in BC so this is all out of pocket um BC and Alberta the other provinces they're there they've got um some coverage and mm-hmm. so I had a sense of like, we're paying the money, we're doing the things, this has got to, you know, this has got to work, like, why wouldn't it work? And so my egg retrieval is actually the uh, same day that my nephew was born. And that was um, special. We're both my sister and I were, she's at the hospital, and I'm at the fertility clinic. And we're both just building our families in different ways. And uh, so the egg retrieval went really well, I got 23 eggs, um, 18 were mature, 14 were fertilized, and we had six blasts, and we, we tested five of them. So four, four, four of the five came back normal, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. So, so was this uh, in and, 2020? This is like during lockdown or was it later? No, this was 2021. Okay, yeah. gotcha. So this, yeah, yeah, that was February, 2021. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then we went straight into um, our first, well, we, what we were hoping would be our first transfer cycle. And I, we did um, estrogen, which is pretty common, but my body just was not responding really well to the synthetic estrogen. So I went for four lining checks and each time my lining just wasn't, wasn't getting to the right thickness. And by the time I went for the fourth lining check, um, I had fluid in my lining, like in my uterus. Mm -hmm. So the uh, cycle was canceled. And again, this was not something that I knew about. Like, I just didn't know. I thought, you know, I didn't know. I thought once you did the egg retrieval, that was the hard part. But it wasn't. The transfers are the hard part because you just do well for some people because you just don't know if you're going to get there or not. Uh, right. And in my case, I had no idea. I didn't know that um, this was the thing. And turns out this became a big thing for me because then we went into our next um, transfer cycle. And so this time we tried. And so this is a, this is a, almost exactly two years after my IUD was removed. So we went into right into another transfer cycle. And this time we we used, uh, like I did a modified natural. So we were doing letrozole. So my body would produce its own estrogen instead of trying to use the synthetic um, estrogen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And my body uh, normally kind of responds a little bit better um, with the kind of the stim stimulating drugs. Um, however, by the time we got to my first lining check, I had already started to ovulate. So we had a second capsule um, cycle. So uh, we just, you know, that's fine. We're, we're moving on. So then we got to uh, started priming again in April Mm-hmm. And finally got to our first transfer and it was, um, the transfer was April 27th and it was just like a great day. I was so excited. We both were, we were like finally going to make this baby and, um, we transferred a beautiful embryo and everything, um, you know, it just felt like this is it. And so I, I'm a pretty notorious early tester and Mm -hmm. um, I started getting some faint um, positives and they got darker. And when I went for my first beta, it was positive. And that was on the Mother's Day weekend. Oh my God. So Um, when did you start testing? How many days after transfer? So what happened was I wasn't, my husband was away on a boys trip. He was playing some golf and I was going to wait till he got back. And then, um, but then I had a little bit of spotting and it felt like my 
period was coming. So I um, just assumed that I was like, oh, it's over. I just want to like, I just want to take a test and kind of like break it to him easy. Like I, mm. so I didn't tell him, I just stopped on my way home from work. And in, now it all kind of makes sense because it ended up being an ectopic pregnancy, but that, mm. that spot, that bit of spotting and the, the cramping I was feeling was like, cause it was not in the right spot. Um, oh, wow. But, but be, yeah. So what happened was, um, so I had taken, I took a test and I was alone and I was like, oh my God, I can't believe it's positive. And I mm -hmm. told my husband and, but I was still really guarded. And right. we went, I went, when I went for my first blood test, they would like, they wanted to see it over a hundred. It was 82. So I had, I was, you know, it's like my very first positive, but right away, well, my real positive. Um, but I right away was like, just instantly nervous, instantly mm -hmm. like, you know, it's like, I thought I would have this sense of like, yay. And it was just like, oh God. So we waited 48 hours and did our next blood test. And then the next one had a 200% increase. So then it was like, okay, now we're like me, like, you know, we're kind of on the right track here. And right. I was so anxious, Ali. I went every four days until my ultrasound because I just needed to know it was going up. Like I just, um, and the nurses were great. They were like, that's mm -hmm. fine. But I, they were really reassuring. They said, everything's on the right track, but I just was like, you know, so nervous. Right. Of course. People understand that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So we had our first ultrasound booked for May 30th. We, they wanted to have me come in a few days uh, earlier, but we were away for uh, in the Okanagan for a wedding. So we decided, I just, I asked the nurse, I'm like, we're going away for the weekend. And just in case something, you know, I, in case the ultrasound didn't go well, we, I wanted to do it right after the weekend. And mm -hmm. I'm so glad I did because otherwise we wouldn't have gone to the wedding. Um, because so it was, so my husband's there with me and we're holding hands. My, it was luckily my doctor doing the ultrasound. And as soon as she put the wand in, she was like, okay, there's a heartbeat. And it, I, we were just like, so hot. Like, I can't even explain like that joy of, you know, like mm -hmm. something we worked so, so hard towards. And then, um, and, like a split second later, her, her, just like her face changed and her body language and I could tell something was wrong. And, um, Oh God. Just, I know exactly. It's like, you know, and I've heard this on your show so many times. It's just like, here it comes, you know, like, of course, this, this can't nothing, you know, um, but uh, she basically explained that it was um, not in the right spot. It was like a centimeter too high. It was um, a corneal ectopic. So really rare, mm -hmm. like one in one in 5,000. So she could see it. It was measuring on time and strong heartbeat, but it was just too, like too much in the corner of my uterus. And okay. What does um, corneal ectopic mean? What so, did you learn yeah, about that? So it's where the tube and the uterus meet. So it's kind of in the corner and it's like where mm -hmm. there's like just a highway of blood there. Um, mm -hmm. And so it's very dangerous because if it ruptures um, and it's really hard to treat because so uh, yeah, basically she explained it when we were at the fertility clinic, we're both just like, you know, sobbing. Uh, and she said, it's like so dangerous. We couldn't even, we weren't um, allowed to go home. I should be able to walk over to Vancouver general hospital. And she said they were going to call there and let them know that we were on our way over there and that we were going to need emergency surgery. Oh my God. So, so scary. So right so then scary. and there, it's like your right world. Then and there. Yeah. It's like the biggest Tough. turn. And now it's yeah. like what you thought was an amazing thing is now like the worst, scariest thing ever. Totally. And I, was prepared for bad news. Like I really, that's why we didn't do the ultrasound before the the weekend trip. Cause I was like, maybe there won't be a heartbeat or maybe, you know, I was not prepared for like, you have to go straight to the hospital. And I ended up being there for eight days, Ali. It was crazy. 
So we went there and um, they told me I had to fast because I was going to have emergency surgery and which like, you know, when you're pregnant, that's not fun at all. And um, they were right. super busy. Um, VGH is, you know, it's a zoo and mm-hmm. um, I have so much respect for all the, the medical staff that work there. Cause I spent, you know, enough time there to say it was just, it's crazy. Uh, and at 11, it was until 11 o'clock at night that um, a doctor from the gynae ward came and saw me and she basically explained that uh, they could do surgery, but that it could really uh, there, like there would be a chance of a hysterectomy because of where the, the ectopic is. And that, you know, it was at that point I was, um, I think it was like six weeks, three days or seven weeks. I can't remember if it was six or seven weeks, three days, but, um, in the email you wrote seven weeks, three days. Okay. So yes, that makes sense. Yeah. Seven weeks, three days. So she just said they, they didn't feel, they felt that it would be too risky to do the surgery. So they, um, they admitted me to the, um, gynae ward at like two o'clock in the morning. And they said the next day that I would have a KCL treatment, which is awful. It, they inject the fetus with um, potassium chloride to stop the heartbeat, like Mm -hmm. stop the heart. Um, so it's like an egg retrieval. They go in with a long needle and Mm -hmm. to like, you know, to have just salt in the wound, they like made me sign a consent form saying that I understand that I'm, you know, like stopping the heart of my baby. And I know oh it's like God. cognitively, I understand it's not viable and it's life threatening. And I, I realized that, but like my instinct of like mama bear were so strong. It was like, no, like, I don't want, you know, like, I don't want to do this. And I, I just like, it, yeah, if, I, if it was up to me, like I would have just, you know, like, I don't know. It was just such a, it was, it, it made me like to make, to feel like I had a hand in that was just something that I like think mm. about almost every day. Cause it just I'm so sorry so, that you had uh, to go Thank you. That. Yeah. Yeah, again, it was like just not an outcome that I had on my bingo card. Like I was like not prepared for this. I just didn't, it was just not on my radar. Um, so I had four doses of methotrexate over um the eight days, and that's why I had to stay in the hospital because they um uh because yeah, methotrexate can can be pretty hard on the body. Um mm-hmm. and so and they were also giving me some other drugs to help uh kind of like mitigate the toxic effects of the methotrexate but like I felt awful I mean obviously I'm just like reeling from the emotional aspect of it but then also physically like just yeah coping with the um the you know methotrexate is a chemo mm-hmm. drug right so it's just really right. hard on your body and the staff there were amazing like I had a social worker and a psychologist coming and seeing me every day and I had my husband was there and but you know we didn't I was in a shared room with someone and I'm trying to like we're trying to like grieve you know, the loss. And I, every night I'm going to bed alone instead oh, of with my husband. Yeah. And so by the time I got home, like I hadn't been home in, in 10 days. And when I got home, like all the our plants are dead. And I just like Devin and I were just in such a, like, I don't know. It was just like, we were pretty miserable. Like it was oh, a really um, uh, tough. Yeah, it was, it was not, not fun. And then, but then here's the, the kicker was that it didn't go according to plan. The pregnancy didn't pass. They said that it would sort of um, you know, my cycle would start, but it wasn't like my, they, my HCG was coming down really, really slowly. So it ended up taking, um, so I was going back every two weeks back to the hospital for an ultrasound and the mass just the, like the tissue was still there. It hadn't changed at all. Mm-hmm. So I had to really like advocate for myself eventually. Cause I'm like, I don't, what's the end game here? Like I'm, I can't, you know, just live my life like this. So, uh, and then meanwhile, sort of, uh, I'm, I'm a teacher. So I, I was off for July and August. And that July, friends of ours were getting married and it brought lots of friends into town. So there was a lot of events planned. Like we had a trip to the Tofino planned with um, 18 friends and we had 
uh, like the wedding week. Like there was just lots of events that were with lots of friends that I had grown up with. Mm-hmm. So we had, were just coming off of this like major loss and trauma and just trying to like kind of pick up the pieces and still feeling kind of, um, you know, that we didn't want to miss out. And really we debated not, not going to Tofino and stuff like that, but we just, it was like such a, it was, the timing was just so, so tight. And, um, one of my really like closest and dearest and most wonderful friends, uh, who she doesn't live here, but she, um, let me know like in that right around that time that she was pregnant as well with her due date was within days of mine. And so I've got a friend living this like parallel life and now she's got a beautiful, healthy boy. And, um, Um, and it's like, again, it's just like that, like, you know, again, not like trying to get stuck in that, that comparison, but also like recognizing that I've got a a close friend that just like, you know, lives that this is living kind of that parallel life of what we would have had. Right. Right. And when you Um, see those kids, when you see those kids, it's like a constant reminder, like that would have been the age of my baby. And that, you know, then they're then they're in kindergarten, then they're in first grade, you know, all that exactly. stuff. Yes. Living reminders. And you're, it's complicated because you're happy for your friends and you love their kids. Totally. You know, totally. but it's also just really painful. Yes, exactly. And like, oh, yeah, that's exactly it. Um, and, uh, and then also just knowing like, just that we still didn't know, you know, we still felt so far away from our goal because it, this was not going according to plan. So in August, we ended up, I I ended up having laparoscopic surgery to finally remove, he removed a three centimeter mass from my, because it, because it had been in there for so long, it had been in in there for like two months. It became like really vascular. Like it had sort of like really um, like embedded into the, into my uterus. And so he removed this like three centimeter mass from my uterus and, uh, but so he was able to get like 90% of the tissue, but then I kind of had to start the healing process. And, uh, so the whole thing took, it took like 18 weeks for my HCG to come down to zero and mm-hmm. for, to, for me to like finally heal. So yeah, just oh not the, the, like the miscarriage that we like that I, I, you know, not to ever like hope for a but like, I'm like, even my, my loss experience was like, just seemed to be kind of magnified for some reason. You yes. Know? Um, yes. Yeah. Uh, but we got a dog and that was amazing. And I started an antidepressant at that time as well. And so like we like were, and I was, you know, getting lots of counseling and we were just doing what we needed to do to like, just continue it to move forward. Mm-hmm. Cause that's all you can do really. Like it's, right. you just have to kind of like pull up your bootstraps and um, mm-hmm. that's uh, yeah. So we, when we did finally get cleared from BGH to uh, start um, trying again, then we started prepping for another transfer cycle, November, 2022. Mm -hmm. Um, And we tried um, with like the mini stim protocol again. And unfortunately my lining just wouldn't like it it maxed out at five and a half millimeters, which Mm -hmm. just is not um, Mm -hmm. thick enough. Mm -hmm. And it's hard to say whether like, you know, cause now we've had surgery. So it's like, is the lining issue from the surgery or is it, or is, you know, so that we've been trying to kind of like figure out um, that piece uh, because then we, in January, we did the exact same thing. We had another, we did, tried for another transfer and um, I had another canceled cycle because my um, lining maxed out at 5.5 again. Mm-hmm. And um, so it's just, it was like just really frustrating because again, we're just like trying. So, and then it might, and that was like in January, that was my expected due date from the ectopic pregnancy. So oh, yeah, that canceled cycle then it was just so frustrating. I'm like, we just need to get some like some traction here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in February, the next 
cycle, we went back to estrogen, to the synthetic estrogen, just to try something different because uh-huh. this was just like clearly not working very well. Uh, so we did like a more aggressive protocol with um, estrogen injections. We added um, vaginal Viagra. So like we just had, I had like hundreds of dollars of Viagra, which is super fun. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and I just, we like added in um, some IV therapy and like just my daily regime, Ali was like just hilarious. Like I'm just like drinking bone broth and pomegranate juice and eating vitamin E and Brazil nuts and red raspberry leaf tea. And I got like Reiki womb healing and I'm just like, let's do, I'm like, you name it. Like every bring it single on. thing. Like, yes. Everything. I'm yes. I totally yeah. can relate to that. Yep. To- yeah. Like just living and breathing, you know, what I need to do. Um, and like just so many sacrifices, right. Because you know, this obviously, as you know, and as I've like listened to so many of your guests, it's like, you, you know, you're trying to live your life at the, at the same time. And like, meanwhile, this whole time, like I'm working, I'm a, like a full-time teacher and I've, you know, got my friends and family and I'm just trying to like, kind of keep all the balls up in the air. Yeah. Um, and it's just like so challenging because they, you know, and everyone, I've been so candid about my experience because they just all need to know, like, you know, when at certain times I'm just, I can't, I can't be there or I'm, you know, I'm just not my full um, self because it's, uh, you know, like, especially getting this far into it, like, I just, I, I don't want to have any regrets, right. Or second guess anything. Um, so I just meant really taking a step back from a lot of, you know, relationships and things in my life that I love because it was, I, you know, I just was so, you know, kind of consumed by it all and, you know, trying to find balance in my life and trying to, uh, you know, still connect, but I, like, I just was felt, so my cup was just so, um, empty, you know, just like, I'm so limited in what I, uh, what I could handle, um, in terms of like giving to the people in my life. And it's something that I've really like struggled with over the last um, couple of years, because it's mm-hmm. not, it doesn't feel, uh, it doesn't feel like me to just be this sort of kind of shell of a human half the time, by kind of going through the motions, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and I just, I try and like, um, you know, try and give everything in my life a hundred percent, but this has been a huge, um, you know, eye-opening experience in terms of just what I can, you know, my capacity as a human, right? Yeah. Um, and that I was going to say that line that you did include in the email was that you're a shell of a human. So tell me a little yes. bit more about that. Like, who do you wish that you still were that you aren't anymore? I mean, obviously experiences like this fundamentally change you as a human being. Yes. So what do you yes. miss about your old, you know, the old Darlene? like just like the vivacious carefree human that was like up for anything and just didn't like I wouldn't take no for an answer it was like you know run this marathon yes or go on this trip yes and like Mm -hmm. just I was always like the it like getting friends together and like I always felt um like I was kind of a ringleader and uh I've just had to kind of take a step back from from that and also you know with my like my husband who's just we've just weathered such a big storm together and like but just not you know, it's like everything has become, you know, it's been really hard not to let it just dominate like what we talk about and what we, we plan for. And like, we bought mm-hmm. a townhouse, like thinking we're going to just fill it with babies. And now that's the, like, you know, now we're having honestly a lot more conversations about um, the possibility of being child-free or, um, and we're exploring surrogacy and um, adoption, but we're, we're kind of like open to all of the, the possibilities that I've been really trying to focus lately on the journey versus the destination, because I was so like end goal 
um, that was so focused on the end goal for so long. And lately, just in the last kind of kind of few months, um, I think I wrote in my email, like I'm planning on starting um, a counseling, professional counseling program to hopefully work with other people um, experiencing, you know, their challenges with modern family building. Um, you've, you've inspired me so much to be oh. more actively involved in the community. And mm-hmm. I just feel like my, t- my tunnel vision has lifted a little bit mm-hmm. um, because I just want to look for other like possibilities in this, in this challenging time, you know, like I've felt I've had feelings of just being so inadequate and insecure about mm-hmm. not having kids and falling behind. And now I'm like, I feel a lot more empowered to like take all of this and just say, you know what, kids maybe aren't um, right now in our, in our immediate future, but what mm-hmm. else can I do to, to help others and to yeah. help myself? Because it's just, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's such yeah. A, it's that makes crazy. a lot of sense. So is yeah. treatment off the table for you right now? So, I mean, you mentioned- yeah. So, so since that, so when, once we had, um, so we did get finally get to another transfer. So we did transferred uh, in February, we transferred. And so this is three years after my IUD was removed. Um, it was Super Bowl Sunday. We had our transfer. I was like really excited to, you know, transfer another embryo and thinking like what, you know, what could go wrong and nothing happened. It just was a complete fail. I was testing at home and just, there was nothing there and it was just like totally devastating. And we, so we went right into another transfer cycle because in, in my heart, I just was like, no, I, I needed that failed cycle to go away. And I needed like success, you know, I just was like, we're just going right into another one. Um, and we moved, we went back to us like using stim drugs. So it was on letrozole and gonal F and the, when you're doing it with that way, you're, you have to be monitored really closely because you, um, they, they time it with your natural cycle. So I was at the fertility clinic seven days in a row it was exhausting and it's like a 90 minute round trip and so that's when I was talking you know I always would have one of your episodes on when I'm driving to the <laughs> clinic because I'm like yeah I just need so like I just need to hear I need to know that there's other people out there like totally this, right and so uh this time for the first time ever Allie I waited for the blood test I waited um because I honestly was just too scared I was like I just I can't handle another failure and I waited with um I told them to just leave me a voicemail so I waited to listen to it with my husband at home and our little dog in between us. And it just was zero. So just another complete failure. Oh my God. Um, So yeah, three of our five embryos are gone. And Mm -hmm. um, so we had our like, you know, what the fuck appointment and uh, the kind of the next step would be to do a biopsy. Um, The reason we hadn't done this before was because we, uh, because of my lining issues, she said that, you know, doing the biopsy could actually do some damage to my already really fragile lining. And I agreed with that. And I also mm-hmm. just was not like super keen on spending, you know, another $3,000, um, knowing, you know, we're in so like, but I mean, at this point we're in for a penny and for a pound, like we spent, you know, $35,000 at this point, like, sure, let's throw in the, let's add the biopsy. And, but one, one of the reasons we decided to do it was because they've recently started offering a new one. So there's the ERA, which is, um, like the test your receptivity and microbiome and looks Mm -hmm. for endometritis, but there's a new, new one called the Utempro and it's the tissue is sent to France and it, it tests for like immune profiling. And I have no other markers for anything immune going on, but we just thought like, this is, why not? Like, let's make sure we've really, you know, covered all of our bases. So Mm -hmm. we had uh, started, and I also had a hysteroscopy and the hysteroscopy didn't find anything. Um, She just said that my lining looked consistent with someone who has had a DNC, 
which like I had never been pregnant before, but kind of makes sense given the fact that I had had the surgery. So again, it's hard to say like, is there Mm -hmm. something else going on or is it just from the surgery? And, but then we asked for a second opinion from someone else at the, at the clinic, uh, like the founder of the clinic. We're thinking like, okay, we're going to see the the big boss, the big kahuna, and she'll give it to us straight. Right. And she did. Oh my God. Allie was like hilarious. Like she was, did not sugarcoat it. She was like, what don't did do she the biopsy. Say? She's like, don't do the biopsy. Don't spend another dime on your uterus. Like she just said, don't, you know, she's, she's recommending surrogacy. She said not mm. to transfer any more embryos. And, mm. um, I was like, kind of like almost like slapping. Cause it was just so like, you know, matter of fact, and I appreci- yeah. yeah, and I appreciated that. Like that's what we wanted. But I and I, and she was like, she's like, you know, I know when we hang up this call, you're probably gonna start to cry. And I was like, nope, nope. <laughs> and uh, I know, but it was fine. Like honestly, I just appreciate, like you know, I appreciated her being so candid. But we did decide to do the biopsy because surrogacy, um, you know, it's like we're not, it's not, it's on the table, but it's a huge undertaking here. Like in Canada, it's, it ha- it's altruistic. So you can't pay someone, but you pay for all the other, you know, we'd have to do another retrieval and pay for all their testing and then mm-hmm. pay for the, um, like either for, you know, agency fees and the lawyer fees. And we're talking, you know, 40 to $70,000. And this is like on top of what we've already paid. And, you know, we're in Vancouver, we're like, it's, a, yeah. it's, a, it's a slog here. Would you have um, so, to do another retrieval or you have two embryos well, left? Could you use those? Okay, so I've got, two, so I, I do have two embryos left. Um, they're just not, one of them is untested. It's a day seven. So the success rate, like they're just, it's not graded super well. And the other one also it's uh, tested, but it's a fixed CB. So like the inner cell mass is not looking great. So it's fine. It can be, it can totally be a healthy baby, but I'm just thinking if we're going to go the surrogacy route and go through all that trouble, I would probably want to do another retrieval just to mm-hmm. kind of put our best foot forward. So our plan right now tentatively is see what the results of the biopsy say. Um, so I did have the biopsy last week and we'll see what the results say. And then if, you know, if they can give us some protocol suggestions, we'll try one more transfer um, with my uterus. And then if not, and if that doesn't, like if that works, great. And if it doesn't, then I think we'll just take some time to really uh, think about what else we want to do with our lives. Like it's, um, you know, we'll need some time to save some money and to, you know, and we'll just keep exploring. Like I, I want to learn more about adoption in BC and um, we'll kind of start putting some feelers out to um, some some people in our lives that might want to lend us their uterus for nine months. Mm-hmm. Um, but mm-hmm. uh, we're, and then also like, honestly, that your episode from last week um, really resonated with me when they were talking about choosing a child-free life. We're yeah. open to that as well because like, it's not the be all end all. And I, I wouldn't have said this a year ago. Like I really, well, that would not have been an option, but now mm-hmm. I'm just, I like, you know, it's kind of hard to, at some point it's like, oh, you know, why are we fighting? You know, we're fighting so hard for this. And like, there's other, there's other things in life we can, um, you know, we have other hobbies and interests that we can come back to. And uh, I'm 35, like this isn't the end of the road for us. Um, mm-hmm. Who knows what'll happen? I know that 50% of couples that fail IVF go on to get pregnant in five years. So it doesn't mean that we won't get pregnant, but, um, I just, like at this point we've been in this for, yeah, we've been at this for years and we're just, we're both feeling kind of ready to go and do other things for a little bit. So it's, yeah, um, yeah, it's hard to say. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if anybody hasn't listened to the episode that you're referring to with Katie and Alicia embrace childless, give it a listen. It's just such, I thought it was just such an interesting perspective that doesn't get shared very often, you know, and Katie was saying, I'm paraphrasing of course, but you know, just when you're going through all these, you know, if you've had a lot of 
difficulties and, you know, you're looking at all your options, like consider the embrace childless community as an option, just like give it a, you know, give it a consideration because she's like, it's not the worst case scenario. It's actually pretty great. You know? So I just yes. thought that was a, yeah. a interesting thing it, to put out there because societally totally. we're always, you know, and she's taught, they talked about this too, is just like, if you're not a parent, you're nothing, you know, all that yes. stuff, which yes. is, just not not true totally exactly and I like it so it felt like such a so symbolic that that episode came out when it did because that was we had started to kind of have more conversations about that and then I and like since then I've just it has been a real um you know really eye-opening and I, I work with kids I get that cup filled and I've got so many nieces and nephews and beautiful yeah. babies in my lives and I you know that's not to say if that's exactly it I'm like wondering now starting to question how much of this is just pressure to succeed at a goal that I had set for myself and is this really what we want or need like you know how so I'm just really starting to kind of like reflect on that a little bit more um wow. and think about how else I can uh you know yeah fill my life with wonderful things and there are so many things and it's been a I've had almost a sense of relief lately that I I can um I'm excited to maybe try another transfer but at the same time if we don't get there or if it doesn't go according to plan um, which history tells us this, and, you know, based on the second opinion that this might not be, you know, I I might not be um, having a biological child of, of my own in my own uterus. Like I'm, just, I'm starting to make peace with that. And I know that this will be a process. Like I know that we'll, there will be some grieving and some, uh, you know, a lot of therapy and conversations, and we're going to just have to kind of redesign what our, our life was going to look like if this is, that's the case, but there's, uh, yeah, there's just a lot more to it. And I'm excited to get to know that community and just learn a little bit more. And, but I've just started to kind of dabble. I've joined some surrogacy groups and I, you know, I'm just kind of, we're getting our toes wet and we're open to all of it. And we're just having really constructive conversations. Like it's, I love when we're both, you know, we're just kind of brainstorming and, and feeling out different ideas and on the same page and they're not emotional. They're just like, Hey, this is, maybe we should buy some, you know, get back into skiing next year. Maybe we should do this. And like, it's just kind of exciting to, you know, start thinking about a life that isn't um, revolving around cycles and monitoring. And, um, you know, financially, this has just taken, you know, like this has been our focus for so long. And I'm, I'm excited to start uh, the program I'm starting the summer. It starts with a life coaching component. And I'm really doing it with the goal of, you know, working with other people. I'm not ready to give up on my body, but maybe my body doesn't need to be a baby maker. Like maybe my body, maybe I need to run another marathon or climb a new mountain or, um, you know, like I've been back at the gym. Um, and since the, the last failed transfers, I was um, kind of taking a break, but it's like, I'm strong. I'm, I'm capable and I can do hard things. And this isn't the end of our story, you know? Okay, guys, thank you so much for listening. And thanks again to Darlene for sharing her story. If you guys want to follow her on IG, it's making underscore baby underscore OH. So that's her account. You can follow her there. Um, I also want to tell you guys to follow Fertility Rally if you're not already. And if you're looking for somewhere to go, a soft space to land, that is the place I created with Blair Nelson of Fab IVF Mama. And it is just a community that has grown and grown and grown. We are actually three years old now. We just had our third birthday. So we are welcoming anybody, no matter where they're at. We will meet you guys where you are. We have five support groups a week, depending on the week and growing. We're adding more, actually. You know, we're kind of known for our support groups, but we also have a great 
private Facebook group system of three different Facebook groups that you can join and ask questions. We've got IRL and virtual events that are incomparable. If you ask me, they're all really, really great. So, you know, it's the place I wish I had when I was going through it. So check us out on the IG at Fertility Rally, or you can go to our website, which is fertilityrally.com. You can join our membership um, annually or monthly. And if you have any questions, you can reach out to me. So thanks again. Thank you for listening. Sending big, big love to you guys. Thanks.